I love to see the little things that God does when you realize that it's Him working, you know. Um, today we're going to be talking, our verses for today are Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And I say that because uh, the way God works is because throughout the year, Larry and the elders pray about different series, what to preach on, you know, what what the Holy Spirit's leading to to lead this congregation in. And, you know, it may be go through the book of Colossians, it may be a top, topical study, whatever. But it's interesting today because, as, as you've known, we've had a rotation going where we get the opportunity, like me and Todd and others, Bradley, that we get to preach every once in a while. And today, Ephesians 4 is the same verses that I was given almost three years ago for my very first sermon. And then, and then I, the title of it was, I, uh, I spoke of living a life worthy of our calling. And it's just interesting to see the Holy Spirit working through, like Larry's planning and, and the different things, how we're going to talk about the same verses and kind of talk about maybe a little bit of the same thing, but it's different. And this, uh, I love how this is called the living word, right? The living word of God. It's living because it's with us every day for every situation. It's not the same message every time. So I, I just like it when, when things like that happen and they come around and, and we can see God working even in the small things like that. So today, as Christians, we can lose sight of the importance of being the body of Christ. And earlier, I asked Jim Wetzel, he did a first hour communion, and he had spoke of things that related to this, talking about a lukewarm Christian in Revelation 3, uh, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, Jesus says talking to the church because you're lukewarm. And he had a list by Francis Chan of lukewarm people who attend church. Lukewarm people attend church fairly regularly. It's what's expected of them, what they believe good Christians do. Lukewarm people give money to charity and to the church as long as it doesn't interfere with their standard of living. If we have a little extra, it's easy and safe to give. After all, God loves a cheerful giver, right? Lukewarm people tend to choose what's popular rather than what's right. They want to fit in with both the church and the world. Their reasoning is that in comparison to the everyday world, they're not anywhere close to as bad. Lukewarm people say they love Jesus and he's part of their lives, but only part. Jesus is not given control of their lives. Lukewarm people give love God, but not with their heart, soul, and mind. Their excuse is it's not possible for the average person. It's only possible for pastors, missionaries, and radicals. And Jim pointed out he liked how the Francis Chan compared pastors with radicals, too. <laughs> Lukewarm people will serve God, but it has to be with limits when it comes down to time, energy, and money. Lukewarm people are thankful for their blessings and comfort. Giving to others is not a primary thought. Lukewarm people do whatever is necessary to keep from feeling guilty, 
So lots of rationaliz rationalizations and excuses come into play. Lukewarm people do not live by faith. They structure their lives so they have all control. Lukewarm people feel secure because they attend church, have made a profession of faith along the way, have been baptized, come from a Christian family, vote Republican, and live in America. The rest in the, they rest in the fact people refer to them as Christians. And I say this list because we do get too comfortable. We do get too thinking that, well, I've checked that box and I'm good for the week. I've attended church and I don't need to worry about it. I especially like the one that said, lukewarm people do not live by faith. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but that really hit me when he said that. You know, we get so concerned about just doing these certain things every week and we don't think about it. We're not living by faith. Even preparing for this sermon, I confess I sinned and I was not faithful because I tried to do it. I tried to preach and I pray to God. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now throughout the rest of this message. So as we lose sight of the importance of being the body of Christ, let's focus on that today. A priority for us Christians should be the unity of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So as I prayed about these scriptures and thought about where the Holy Spirit was leading me, first question I had is, why are you here? What has brought you here? And I asked our Sunday school last week, at, we, show, we come in at 9 and I asked them, what brought you here? And of course I got the Sunday school answer and said, well, the Holy Spirit brought me here, right? Good answer. But what I was looking for is, what kind of things did God use? What kind of people did God use? How did you get here? Why did you come here? Why are you in this body of Christ? We had answers of, well, the church was close by, so I came by. Well, guess what? They're still here. So God used proximity, right? We had people say, well, I researched your church and looked it up online and stud made sure you're teaching doctrine, teaching the truth, teaching from the Bible. And sure enough, that's where we get all our information is the Bible. I had people say, well, I had friends here. I had family here. I had family recommend this place. Relationships is what brought people in. My dad, trying to be funny, said, well, I come every week so, just so I can see my grandsons at least once a week. <laughs> Im implying that I don't bring my kids around enough, apparently, but... But in reality, that's true too, isn't it? God did use family to bring more family together here at this church. Why not? Yeah, he sees his kids every Sunday and we worship together. 
what could be better? I confess, I, come, I love coming every Sunday just to see all of you. And I can't greet you fast enough because Tommy wants to sing songs all the time. You know? So. But I look forward to all your smiling faces. I look forward to coming and worshiping with you. God uses different things to, bring us, to call us together, to bring us together. I want to share two testimonies about being called. And the first testimony is the Resonina family. I know you probably all know them. They usually sit up here and they just happen to be out of town this weekend. But I did ask Shannon if I could share this with you, and she said it was okay. But what I like about their story is how God set it up. He was working in their lives before they were even invited to church. He had been causing them to question, the kids to question, the parent, mom and dad, Jim and Shannon to question the need for church, the need for God. And he, they had been at a funeral just, and it was a cousin, and this cousin didn't have a church. They didn't know where they were going to have the funeral. And this caused Shannon to, you know, think about that. Well, where would, where would our funeral be? We don't have a church. We don't belong to anyone. God used that situation to work and cause her to question. And I'm telling you, it was only like a week or two later that in Larry's discipleship class on Wednesday night, Larry came up to everybody in the class and said, okay, here's a challenge. I want you to think of one person, pray about it, think about one person to invite, one person to disciple. Who are you going to disciple? And I picked Jim Rezanina because I've known him all my life. I grew up with him. So, did I bring Jim to this church? No, I did not. God used me for that moment to say, hey, you should come to church with us. We like this church. And they did, and they were ready for it because God worked through so many different areas and brought them to this church. Another friend told me through a similar situation of, God working through other people and bringing their family to the church that, sorry, <laughs> they wouldn't know where their kid would be right now. You always hear that, you know, it's kind of cliche, oh, you know, church changed my life. It does. It did, and I've seen it firsthand. God uses people to bring you to this church to live a, fil a full life. My own family. God was calling me for years through different situations, through funerals, my grandpa dying. You know, we went to church off and on when I was younger. Why didn't I just continue it when I got older? I got in the way. But God used different situations. In fact, he had to use me being completely broken down at the lowest point in my life, almost losing everything. <laughs> he was still there. When I finally turned around, he was, I'm right here, Paul, never left. Take my hand, and it's been a ride ever since. My children have benefited from that. 
Where would my kids be? I don't even like to think about that. I don't want to think about it. Praise God. And the reason I bring these things up, because God is calling you to be a part of this body. He has called you. You are a part of this body. You are very important to this body. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about how he has called you. In John 6, 4, it says, No one came to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. God calls you. James 4, 4, 8, he says, Therefore submit to God. Okay, God is calling you. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Submit to God. Listen to his call. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. He is calling, but are you listening? God also calls us. The reason why he calls us. I think about this. I think, why are you here? Why did God call me? Why? Because he loves me. God loves you. In our verses for the day, Ephesians 4, the first word is therefore. Paul says therefore because he just got done explaining why. He just got done explaining that Jesus gave it all for you, paid the price that you cannot pay, gave you what you absolutely do not deserve. Therefore, you should walk worthy of your calling. Walk in a sense of gratitude, of knowing exactly how much God loves you. He, God calls us into a relationship with him. God calls us into a relationship. Think about that. Creator of the universe wants to have a personal relationship with you, with me. That blows my mind. I just can't wrap my head around that sometimes. In Romans 7, Romans 7, 4, and Ephesians 5, I think about the relationship that he's talking about. He compares Christ's relationship with the church as a body, as he compares that to marriage between a man and a wife. Romans 7 says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. In Ephesians 5, it talks about the relationship of Jesus and the church and husband and wife. And there's a lot more information in Ephesians 5 for plenty other sermons about husbands and wives. But I want you to think about the relationship between Jesus and the church, you, us, and the relationship between a man and a woman. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy 
and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The relationship of a married couple. Right there in verse 31. 32. 32 says, this is a great mystery. Let me just reread verse 31 there. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I have been very fortunate to be a part of several marriages, to have officiated several marriages, especially my own son. And the thing that I love most about it is meeting with those couples and trying my best to explain what that one flesh means because it is just it's mind-blowing it's so hard to comprehend God's design for marriage is that two completely different people would come together and form one flesh with God as the sinner and to have a beautiful relationship and honor and glorify God in that relationship and Jesus and his relationship with the church is the same. That kind of intimacy and closeness of being one with spiritually, emotionally, and physically, one flesh. I really hope that those that I've counseled with really understand that because I'm, I keep learning every time I read through it and study it. And I'm so excited to share that with people. And I just... This world has lost that view of what marriage is and how beautiful it is by God's design and how much joy there is when we are together as one flesh, serving one another. It's the close and intimate relationship between Christ and his church. So as we talk about being the body of Christ, think about having that kind of relationship with Jesus as the body, being close with him, walking with him every day. I couldn't do it. I can't imagine doing anything without my wife. You know, it's, it's weird. During fair week, Asher, my son, was in, in fair, so we needed to stay with him at the fair in the camp. And we took turns staying in the camper with Asher. It was weird not having my wife with me. It was just... I couldn't, honest, I'm honest, I couldn't sleep. You know, because we're so close, we rely on one another, and that's good. That's the kind of relationship we need to have with Jesus. If there's a day goes by that we are not walking with him, we need to be going, what's going on here? What's wrong with me? Oh, that's right. I need to sit down and pray, get on my knees, read the word. Mar marriage mirrors God's covenant relationship with his people. So think about those think about that when next time you think about the one flesh and how important marriage is, think about how important that relationship is between Jesus and the church.
Therefore, we are called to be a part of the body of Christ, and we should walk worthy in it, be unified. But what does that look like? In Ephesians 4, our verses for today, Paul touches on that. He says, talks about walking worthy of the calling with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Lowliness, humility, gentleness, patience, and bearing with one another in love. It's interesting because uh, humble, being humble and gentle were not virtues in the Greek society that were, looked, that were valuable to them. And just another example of how radical Jesus was in this time. He's telling us to be humble and gentle with one another, patient with one another, endeavoring, being diligent to seek the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace with one another. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we have a good description of what the body is, what its members are to do, and how we're to get along. It says, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? We are all different pieces of the body. We all have different jobs, different skills to edify and help the body grow. Every single one of us. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. There are no unimportant parts. In the men's group, we, we have one guy that jokes about being the belly button of the body. He just doesn't feel like he's of any use. And I said that first hour, and Ray came up to me later, and he goes, actually, he's got a great testimony, doesn't he? Because the belly button nourished the body, brought new life, you know, was part of all that. There's a great testimony there. So, yeah, okay, you're the belly button. That's awesome. <laughs> Every single part of the body has a purpose and a reason for being, and we need each other. 
Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Always look to grow. Earnestly desire the best gifts means don't be satisfied. Don't settle for what you think God has given you. Don't stop with, well, I'm just good at that and that's it. Always earnestly desire the best gifts. God is always causing us to grow. We each have a role to play, and sometimes those roles change. And before I get into the example there, I also wanted to stop. When he finishes chapter 12, and he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. In verse 13, chapter 13, verse 1, he says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. More excellent way is what? Love. If we don't have love, we fall short. We have nothing. So desire the best gifts in love. Know that sometimes these gifts change as we grow, as we go through our walk with Christ. And I, I have an example here, as I was, as I mentioned earlier, it was cool that these are the very same verses that Larry gave me on a totally different subject three years ago in June. And so as I was kind of looking through those notes, I found this note, and I want to read it to you. It says, a couple of months ago, mind you, this is three years ago, Larry and I were talking, and I said I'd be interested in, in learning to preach thinking that it's a good way to learn, as it, anyone probably knows, when you teach, you learn more. There's more prep work, etc., more research. You're, if you're going to teach somebody, you're on the hook for standing up in front of class and knowing what you're talking about. So in the interest of growing and learning, we agreed to meet once a week. I wasn't always consistent at meeting, but I was reading the books and the scriptures until one day Larry said he needed to know if I was serious about this because he's going to need someone in June. Immediately, I was like, yeah, right. But he was serious. So he gave me the weekend to decide, and I went back and forth, and I finally allowed the Holy Spirit to convict me and say, yes, you need to do it. We change. If we're seeking, earnestly desiring the best gifts, seeking what the body needs, I don't know if you needed me preaching. Maybe I needed to preach so I'd learn better. I don't know. I don't know what God's plan is. But we're challenging ourselves. Stepping up when God challenges us. Because Larry said he needed someone in June. And I remember thinking, you are nuts. This soon? You know? But he had faith. He prayed about it, I'm sure. But he was convicted that it was the right decision. The church, the body of Christ, 
is the organism through which Christ manifests his life to the world. The body of Christ, you and me, is the organism through which Christ manifests his life to the world. The world sees us. He sees how we act together, act when we deal with other people. What I think about when I think when I read that quote is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. As a body of Christ, God has commanded us to go. I know sometimes we don't feel like we're up to it. I know that it's scary sometimes talking to people. I know. I've been there. God tells us to go. He's not, he's not just telling Peter and John. He's not just telling Larry and Charles that they need to go. He's telling the disciples, you and me, to go and make disciples of all nations, that nation being PV. That's the idea between, behind this picnic that we're having. That's the idea of that we will, as a church body, take one Saturday for four hours and step out of our comfort zone and try to reach out to the PV community, which is why this church was built right here on faith. There was no congregation when this church was built here. They had walked the neighborhoods and gotten commitments from people saying, would you come to church if we built a church building here in PV? And from what I understand, not one of those families showed up. Guess what? This church has been here for 52 years now. And we as a body are called to reach out to this community. That's the idea behind this picnic. That's why I'm super excited about it that's why we need everybody on board we need everybody to find something that you can do we're going to be serving free food and i hope we serve so much food that we run walmart out of hot dogs and hamburgers but we need somebody there to cook it we need somebody there to help serve it we need somebody there to keep the condiments up we need somebody there to help with the different booths and activities that we have. We need somebody there early to help set up. We need somebody there to clean up. We need people two weeks before to walk these neighborhoods and hand out an invitation to every house in this neighborhood, in this valley. We're ordering 2,500 door hangers with an invitation that the media team's designing. And we're going to walk this area and invite this entire community to the picnic. We're going to need help with that. We need to get it done before the picnic. You know, one or two people, it might take a while. Maybe that's something you're, you can do. But you, I'm encouraging you to, to get on the website, pvcc.info, and sign up. Search through that website and see what's going on and see where you can be available and help out. Because we are, as a, as a body 
commanded to go. To make disciples of all nations. And that nation right now, as far as I'm concerned, is PV. And then we'll take on Natrona. And then we'll take on the world, right? So I encourage you to sign up. So we can see why God is calling us to be a part of the body. We can see that he loves us. That he is actually calling us individually to be a part of this body what it means to be a part of this body, that we all have skills, something to do. We all have something to do, and we have gifts that we should uh, be diligent about seeking and getting better at in order to help the body. But how is it possible to keep the unity of the body of Christ, especially when we are all so different? And let me tell you, there's a few here that are really different, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I was going to volunteer for that too, but think about it though. What a diverse group of people we have here. We are all so very different. And the how perfect God's design is to make that work. It goes back to the marriage, the man and the woman being married, two completely different people. But they are one flesh. By God's design, it works, and it's beautiful. That same relationship as this body comes together by God's design and works and shares the love of Christ with the nation of PV. We, it's possible, if you go back to our verses, Ephesians 4, the last two verses, 4 and through 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There is one body, one spirit. There is only one body of Christ, and that is the body of believers. Those who have been baptized into him and by faith follow him. There's one Spirit, one Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that lives in you, lives in me. You don't have a piece of the Holy Spirit. You have the whole Holy Spirit. And so do I, each one of us. That's hard to comprehend too. The Spirit of God wants to live inside of you if you let him. That one Spirit is the same Spirit that keeps us together. The one hope of your calling. We all have that same one hope. One day being reunited with our Lord and Savior. Being in heaven in his glory for eternity. The one Lord. One faith. One master. We all serve the one master. We all have these similar things. One faith. Which can get confusing out in the world with the different faiths and the different things that we hear about. There's one faith. There's one way to Christ, one way to God and that is through Jesus Christ. There is no question about it. We have that similarity that we share. One baptism and one God, one God, and Father of all, who is above all. He's above all of our issues, all of our problems. Through all, works through all of us in every situation. In his perfect plan, 
He's brought you all together and has a perfect plan for us for the future. And in you all, like I said, Father, God, Holy Spirit, creator of the universe, lives inside of you. I think, I just think we lose sight of that sometimes. The power of God wants to reside in you. That's how we come together. We have those similarities. I want to end with Ephesians 3.20. As we invite the music team to come up, if we have Ephesians 3.20 on the board, that is our vision statement. This is the same God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Imagine more. Just imagine what we can do. What we can accomplish through Christ as a unified body. Can you think about the joy that we can spread, the people that we can help, the people we can reach out to? I mentioned earlier that there's a friend whose who's, who's child, who's, their life is different now, completely different because they became a body of Christ. They, be, they became a part of the body of Christ, not just that they were invited, not just that they came to church, but the people in the church helped them, helped them grow, helped them to be closer to Christ. We as a body can do that. If this picnic yields one family, we win. We spend all kinds of money, whatever it is, and we win one soul, we win. So if you have a decision to make today, as we stand and sing, I would ask you to come forward. If you need to be a part of this, proclaim your faith and be a part of this church. Please come forward and do that now. If you have not accepted him and need to be baptized, please, now is the time.